So I'm not one of these guys like Rob who hears from God all the while. I'm a man of God, uh, but it's an occasion when he speaks to me. And he spoke to me quite strongly um, before Christmas. And I'm really wanting just to share a little bit of some of the things that he said and some of the things that he's been saying or I've been feeling as a consequence. But let me give you some of the background, the context. The context was an article I read in the Times. So this is from the Times on Monday the 1st of October last year. And in the article, the article said, Christianity has now become a foreign language for very large numbers of the population. And what goes on in church seems strange, if not alien. Until about 1960, what went on in church would have some resonance across the culture as a whole. We now have the third and fourth generation growing up since then, for whom it is simply outside their worldview. Failures that tend to be blamed on schools or parents simply reflect a rapid and massive change in the general culture. I, I myself am someone who doesn't come from a church-growing background, a context. I uh, had been to church a handful of times uh, before I went to university. When I was at university, I argued with Christians to prove them wrong, and to my shock and horror, came to the conclusion that they were right and I was wrong. And my first ever prayer was, all right, God, I give in. Not profoundly theological, but that's what it was. And my life was transformed. But coming into the church from totally the outside, there was this heart and this passion for other people like me to be able to find their way into church. Because I resonated a bit with what was saying in the Times. about I, I found it, Christianity for me was a sense of a foreign language. The church was an alien culture. And to realise that now, a fair number of years later, the situation in many ways was worse. And it just hit me. And I, I put, for, I, I know a few of you are on Facebook, I'm on Facebook, I put a sample of that quote onto Facebook and it pro- prompted a bit of a debate. But the emphasis of the debate was a number of people saying about how they were doing something about it by getting the Bible to be read in schools. Now, I've got nothing against anybody going into schools and being involved in Bible reading and things like that. Great. But in my heart of hearts, I don't know whether that's adequate to really respond to the situation that we're into. And I got a quite a little bit disheartened by, in a sense, what I felt was a failure to really grapple with the issues that were there. So that was on the Monday. Then, uh, three or four days later, 
There was another article, this time in the Telegraph. This is from the 4th of October. And I won't read the whole of the article, it's a longer article, but the, the key elements of it all, it talked about how for the past three decades, Britain has been losing its religion at an alarming rate. Neil Kinnock admitted to not believing in God and was ridiculed. He was the leader of the Labour Party a number of years ago. Ed Miliband, who's now the current leader of the Labour Party, just has, has just done the same thing without comment. The article went on, less than 50% of people say they're religious, compared to nearly 100% in most places, from Brazil, in South Africa, Saudi Arabia, through to Indonesia and India. The article went on to say, we saw this at the Olympics. The BBC commentators did not know what to make of athletes praying at the starting line or after victory, which is commonplace in America. Twitter was used by many to share their faith. I want to thank God for everything he has done for me, because without him, none of this wouldn't be possible said Usain Bolt after achieving his 100 metres Olympic record. Thank you, Lord, for another chance for holding me as I waited, said Lolo Jones, the American hurdler, after a second attempt at gold. And the article concluded, if Chariots of Fire was remade in 2012, it would be more likely to be about Muslims who observed Ramadan during the Games. Eric Liddell, who featured in the original, subsequently went to convert at China. Now there are many more Christians in China than there are in England. I was stirred by those two articles. I was stirred by the response to my post on Facebook. And into that context, one night... I was woken up, I couldn't sleep, and obviously, I I suppose these things were churning around in my mind. And I felt God say to me, just brought to mind this verse, the verse that uh, I started with. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. I just felt it, I just was woken up with that. And I realised it's so easy to long nostalgically for how things were in the UK in the past. To long nostalgically for how things are in other parts of the world. And in the original, in the longer version, the context of Isaiah 43 verse 8, the former things included the exodus. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. That's talking about the exodus, when the people of God came out of Egypt, crossed uh, 
into the promised land and the Egyptians, the, the waters came over to the Egyptians. That's what it's talking about. And the prophet says, forget the former things, forget the exodus, forget what I did in the past, don't dwell on it. And I feel God is saying in our context, we need to forget some of the things that God has used in the past. I feel in the context that we're in, where Christianity is a foreign language, we need to forget Billy Graham meetings. We need to forget the things that God did in the 50s and the 60s when many people came to Christ. It's a new day. Today, the vast majority of people, third or fourth generation outside of the church, they don't trust evangelists. Evangelists are salesmen. They don't trust authority. And when there are these big meetings, it's the church who is there, it's not the unchurched. We need to forget, and I, I need to maybe, before I get too much into this, say, this is what I feel God speaking to me. If you disagree with me, that's absolutely fine. I'm very happy to talk to you, and I'm not imposing this on anyone. I'm sharing what I've been grappling with. I'm sharing the things that I've been thinking through out of God saying, forget the former things. So I, I myself believe we need to forget Starbucks coffee churches. I read a blog over this period of time, a guy saying of churches seeking to have the best coffee experience. and But saying, if somebody reads the newspaper and is looking for a car, they'll go to the ads for used cars. But if you're not looking for a used car, you just skip over that. And saying, if we're in a context where people aren't seeking after God, they're not going to come to church. And if they want coffee, they'll go to Starbucks. They won't come to church for coffee. I th- modern music, seeking to be contemporary and have the latest type of music. Forget the former things. I believe we need to have a good welcome. When visitors come, they need to be welcomed. But we're not going to impact people for whom... Christianity is a foreign language by having a great welcome in our churches. It can work and did work before when we had a a, a country, a nation, which were church, which knew about church and were regularly attending one form or another. 
but it's not going to work for a nation for whom Christianity is a foreign language, for whom church is an alien culture. And there's some debate about this, and I, I, I really don't worry too much about the details. There's been a number of different surveys, some done by Peter Brearley and his organisation, some done by Tear Fund. They come up with slightly different bits of data about how many people are churched, who are regular churchgoers or on the fringe of the church, how many people have been and are no longer going along, and how many are totally unchurched, the foreign uh, language people. The very best data, the very most optimistic, says that maybe 20% of the population of the UK are somehow churched. So, by, and that's very best estimate. Others put it much lower. But by churched, it means go to church maybe once a month, or maybe a very close, you know, maybe a husband or a wife goes. They're, they're, they're there, they will be seen as fringe in some way. Not talking about evangelical or charismatic, just total churched. Best is 20%. Maybe up to another 40% would be de-churched. They've had some church experience bef- before. And half of them, 20%, their experience have been s- such that it's put them off church forever and they'll never, ever come back again. The other 20% are known as open de-churched. And if invited, are likely to come back. They just need that link and that friendship. And they're the best estimates, which says 40% of the population are totally unchurched. But probably that 40% is maybe 60% or even more. And depending on what part of your country, that, that data may change. My worry and my concern is that most churches, even New Frontiers churches, are fishing in, at maximum, something like 40% of the population of the fringe of the church and the de-churched. And the unchurched people, for people for whom Christianity is a foreign language, we're not making any efforts. Forget the former things. Forget the things that we've done in the past. Because I believe they're not relevant for at least 40% of the nation. Probably a lot more. Also, in the original context, the initial scripture, it was brought to people in exile. And so in the context, the former things that they were forgetting wasn't just the good things that God had done in the past, like the Exodus, they're also God's judgment that brought them into exile. And I do think 
that God's judgment has been on the church. There's been judgments for nominal church going, of people going to church for the wrong reasons, because it was a place to be seen in your Sunday best. It was a be- the place to meet uh, influential people, to rub shoulders with people you can make business contacts with. It was a place where people went because they were superstitious and thought if they went to church, they'd somehow get God's blessing. But I believe that God is saying, forget that. It's a former thing. And I think for most churches, that doesn't happen anymore. Pretense, sin, hypocrisy does exist but it's not rampant in the way that it is maybe in other countries. It's not rampant in the way that it was here once upon a time. And I think God's judgment has been on his church because of that. But I think it's a former thing. The church has been renewed. It's been restored to what God intended it to be. And that was, the judgment was rightly, the previous uh, priority of renewing the church, restoring it to be God's bride and what's it meant to be, to get rid of that nominalism, that that uh, church going for the sake of it, the hypocrisy, the sin that existed there. But now I think the issue is that the church in the UK just isn't speaking the same language as the world. It's not communicating. It's as if we're speaking a foreign language. I came across this parable, this modern parable, which summarises some of the things that I've been thinking about. There were families of fisher folk who for generations have been fishing the same lake. And for generations have been able to make a living out of fish in the lake. But in recent times, the size of the catch was getting much smaller. So they sent some uh, people to investigate what was going on. And so this team went upstream and found that one of the rivers feeding the lake uh, had been blocked. There'd been an earthquake, rocks had come down, and that river had been diverted and was now feeding another lake, a, a a distance away. And they followed this down and saw and reported back that there was this other lake which other people were fishing. And they were fishing with different techniques, different boats, and were able to make a living out of it. And so the team came back to the original lake, reported back, And the people had to decide what they were going to do. Were they going to continue to fish the same lake in the same way with dwindling techniques? Or were they going to fish in a new lake in a new way? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. But it's not just a negative word about forgetting is also positive. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it?
God is doing a new thing. But I don't think we'll be able to perceive it or see it until we forget the former things. Whilst we dwell on the past, whilst we look to what the past was, what God was doing in previous generations, we just won't be able to see the new thing he's doing now. I'm now dis- I will risk it. I'll risk it for a biscuit, shall I? Well, one of the things that I came across, which is new things that God's doing, new ways of communicating. You can do this, but what does it look like in practice? An example of how it might look like in practice. Sin. Sin is an important element of our sharing of the truth, yeah? And we know what sin means. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yeah? However, out there, for these people for whom Christianity is a foreign language and the church is an alien culture, what do they understand sin to be? Anyone go to Weight Watchers? <laughs> sin is an indulgence often associated with chocolate <laughs> if you tell people they're a sinner they'll smile at you Trevor <laughs> or so it's either a frivolous indulgence or is what paedophiles do at the extreme. If you sin is an example of Christianity in a foreign language. And yet we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so I came across um, somebody who had a different way of describing it, a more modern way of describing sin, which is the human propensity to... (laughs) (laughs) ...as being a way the world understands what we understand as all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can understand why I stood back and thought, do I take the risk or not? (laughs) And you may or may may not appreciate that or like that, that, that's for you. But the point is... We need to find ways to connect, new ways to fish. And God is doing a new thing. And the new thing that God is doing isn't happening in the church. 
So see, I'm doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God's at work in this prophecy from Isaiah, out there, in the wilderness, in the wasteland. Streams are coming. God's at work, not in the church, according to this prophecy. The new thing that's happening, the new thing is happening, is out there. And what I'm discovering is that God is doing things amongst the world, not just in the church. And we've got to be there amongst them to see what God is doing. I came across um, an academic paper that was done under the auspices of the University of Nottingham. And they did a research paper, and in fact they did a number, but the, the, the final one uh, summarised some of the previous results of other research papers that they did, looking at the spiritual experience of people who don't go to church. That's it, that's... Yeah, my PowerPoint, so yes, it's gone wrong on the PowerPoint, my fault. But hopefully you'll be able to see it. And they did some initial research in 1987... And 48% of people not going to church said they'd had some sort of spiritual experience. By the year 2000, that had grown to 76%. And, and that's an example. By patterning of events, the top one, so 29% in 87, 55% in 2000, said that they saw some sort of patterning event. What that means is providence, the sense that they feel that things happen because they were meant to. Awareness of the presence of God. The point being that the number of people claiming some sort of spiritual experience had grown from less than half in 87 to three quarters in the year 2000. And different, and sort of the research paper asked different questions about why that would happen. Was there a sense of now a greater growing of social permission to talk about such experiences? But I wonder, and this is a sign of my age, but a few of you are older as well. Do you remember um, John Wimber and the Kansas City Prophets and uh, all, all that sort of stuff? I, I was around in those days. You do, you do. But there was, at that stage, that was sort of probably in the early 90s or maybe late 80s, something like that. So I, I can't remember exactly when. But there were prophecies then about revival coming to the UK, UK and Germany, which would appear never to have been fulfilled. I wonder whether 
they have been fulfilled. Because in previous generations, where there was still this background understanding of God and the place of the church in society, if someone had an experience of God, a supernatural experience, that immediately linked them and thought of the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd have an experience and they'd come to church. Whereas now, if someone has a spiritual experience, Christianity is a foreign language. The church is an alien culture. They're not going to relate the experience that they've had with Christianity, with faith. Unless someone makes that link for them. The research paper talked about the desire for belief and yet an inability to believe. It talked about people saying that they thought that belonging to the institutional church, which means us as well as the Church of England or anything else, it's just the church, means that you have to believe with certainty there's no room for doubt. And so they felt unable to make a link because they felt, I've had this experience of God, but I won't be welcome in the church. I'm still searching. I don't believe with certainty. The sort of experience that we're talking about in here, this is just one example that the researchers found. This was under an awareness of the presence of God. A man's father became seriously ill. And Tom, the guy, had to take him to hospital in the middle of the night. Tom was sat in the hospital corridor waiting for news of his father's condition when he experienced a sudden rush of warmth and a sense that someone was telling him not to worry, that everything was going to be all right. 76% of those people not involved in church, not necessarily like that, will, under research conditions, say they'd had some awareness, some spiritual experience. I've not got all the answers by any means, but I do myself believe that we do need to forget some of the former things. We need to stop dwelling on the past and we need to fish in a new lake. We need to fish not just amongst the fringe of the church, but we need to find ways of fishing amongst the totally, the unchurched. And I believe once we start fishing there, we find that God's already been ahead of us. That he's making streams in the wasteland. And I do believe that God 
wants to turn this nation around. But the action isn't here on a Sunday afternoon. Even if you move to Sunday morning, the action isn't going to suddenly be there because you're meeting in the Sunday morning. The action where God is at work is out there. And let's not underestimate the size of the task. But let's not shirk from it either. Because that's what God's called us to be. Let's seek to learn together at how we can be effective fishermen for the glory of God. But I believe we do have to do some forgetting before we can start seeing. And then we'll, when we see, we'll see our God at work for his glory. Amen. I can do. I can do. Lord, sometimes it's easier to pretend that things are different than they are. It's not, it's not easy to, to really face the facts that that things have changed, that your church is less and less relevant or appears to be less and less relevant to this nation. And Lord, that the size of the task that we have is massive. But Lord, when we look beyond the size of the task, but look to you, things do change. And Lord, I thank you for the journey that you've been taking me on. Lord, thank you for, for what you have done in the past. But Lord, thank you for the new thing that you're doing. Lord, thank you that you want to bring your church again into the heart of this nation. Lord, that you want to show that your word and your people are relevant to this nation. And Lord, I pray for Jubilee Church as I pray for my church in Luton. Lord, help us. Help us to communicate our truth, your truth, in ways that are relevant. Help us to take risks. Help us to discover what you're doing 
in the lives of people around us. Give us those opportunities, not just to talk, but also to listen, to hear how you're working in other people's lives. Help us to make bridges between what you're doing in their lives and the people of God and your truth. Turn your church around. Lord, thank you for renewing your church. Thank you for your restoration within your church. But Lord, I pray that you would enable us to have a real impact for your glory. Amen.